Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of the CAC Show. I am Fringezilla. I am Sarah Summers. And unfortunately, we do have a cancellation tonight. The amazing former women's champion, WWF Lilani Kai, will not be joining us. But we are already being joined by uh, what I think is one of the best cosplayers out there and somebody who I'm really looking forward to reading her new book, and that is Autumn Flint Ivy. Oh, hello. Hello? And I understand we now have Raven on with us, too, so everybody please give a warm welcome to them both. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> did, did the pyrotechnics go off okay on time? Oh, everything is good. Everything is totally good. Okay. All right. All right. Just make sure sometimes, you know, CBC needs to come out and, like, he does his, like, little move thing, and it's not timed right with the pyrotechnics, so I just wanted to make sure mine went off okay. <laughs> no, everything went off without a hitch. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, we didn't have a Shockmaster occurrence today. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> well, speaking of which, you know, we're talking about wrestling right off the bat. Um, w- would you guys care to talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble and what your thoughts are? Uh, you know, like how it, you know interested you are in the main match, who you think is going to win? Uh, dude, they got to get Daniel Bryan out of it. If they're not going to let him win, they have to, like, find some way to eliminate him just completely from the whole thing. Otherwise, like, last year, did you guys see the the last Royal Rumble? Yeah. Yeah, like, when, as soon as as soon as uh, as Rey Mysterio came out, like, everybody booed the shit out of Rey. And nobody, nobody boos the shit out of Rey. Rey's, like, Rey's every kid's favorite wrestler, and they booed the shit out of him because he wasn't Daniel Bryan. Well, that's what they wanted, though. That's who they were expecting. And, you know, yeah, well, no, I everybody, that I think, I think it was a fair call every, to win the Rumble. You know, yeah, every, everybody wants Brian to win. I mean, he's 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 the new Stone Cold. He's the the everyman. You know, there's there's nobody that's going to be more popular that you want to see on top than the ultimate underdog. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I agree to that. And I'll tell you what, I think that not only was having Batista win last year a terrible idea, I think that having Roman Reigns win this year would be even worse because the guy can barely cut a promo as it is. Oh, yeah, he's he's, he's awful. He's a great, he has to look, but he, he just does not have the mic skills. So my bet's on Zack Ryan. Wait, no, not Zack Ryan, Zack Efron. A <laughs> <laughs> surprise entrance. <laughs> He, no, he I, can't remember, I, because he's pretty. I can't remember his name. Who's the who's the who's the dude from uh uh he was he was like huge online and shit. He was like had a huge Twitter Twitter following. And Zach Ryder. Zach Ryder, thank you, thank you. Zach Ryder. That 
<laughs> my my boss is that correct? Is he still alive? I haven't seen him in like months. No, he's not. He's gone. Uh, I'm pretty sure they buried like. Yeah, he's been relegated to like super. Yeah, he's been buried to basically superstars and uh, main event mode. Yeah, yeah he, doesn't, yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't even get. He doesn't even get jobber status anymore. <laughs> like, he, he's, 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 he's the guy that just beat up. He, he can't even be that guy anymore. <laughs> well, as we burst his bubble, um, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's actually, uh, Let's actually uh, talk about something that is really interesting to me. Uh, since we're talking about wrestling, before we start talking about Broken Butterfly and obviously Widow's Web, which I'm dying to talk about, uh, what do you guys think about the Authority being back after only being kicked off for you know what was it four weeks? Um, you kind of saw it coming. As soon as Vince said, I mean, I, I remember back in the day when when like they had to put out the best product possible and you had the whole WCW WWF wars and shit like you couldn't you couldn't tell what was going to happen next it was always a surprise it was always one up everybody but as soon as you see Vince McMahon say that the only person who can bring them back is John Cena it's like Wolverine or Spider-Man dying you know they're coming back in 6 months <laughs> that's a good point so I mean, I'm I'm interested in seeing what happens with Sting, just because they they haven't like screwed that up yet. So hopefully, all of a sudden we we hear the Undertaker's music cue and we get to see like the Undertaker Sting match. Like that's that would be cool. I, I'd watch wrestling again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sting versus well, I personally... I'd watch, but but yeah, that Sting versus Undertaker. That's the that's the that's the big one. Those are my two favorites well, you know, growing I, up. I agree. I agree that that match is definitely something I want to see. But my problem is, is I have a really, really hard time, you know, accepting the Brock Lesnar beating the Undertaker garbage that we got last year. And I feel like if anybody should go against the Undertaker this year, it should be Lesnar so he can, you know, get that win. You know, because I'm sorry, but I, I just don't feel right about the fact that all these legends like Ric Flair and, you know, Shawn Michaels twice, Triple H twice, can lose the Undertaker, and then Lester just walks in and bam, wins. Like, I have a hard time with that. Well, it's Brock Lesnar. His power levels are over 9,000. I mean, mean, if there was anybody who was going to beat Undertaker, I mean, you you look at Brock Lesnar in the ring, even before he came back from the UFD, and he looks like he hurts people. Not not a... Who's the dude that says he me more? Ryback. Ryberg. Ryback, Ryback. Not like Ryback hurts people like it's an accident hurt people, and he does it because he's just, like, dumb. But, like, Brock Lesnar looks like he hurts people for a living. You know, and, and, and he actually does in real life hurt people. That's why he was a UFC champion. So it's like, if anybody was going to break the street, and I mean, The Undertaker, he's old. It's kind of like the same thing with Rock beating Hogan. Yeah, You know, it's like, 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 how long was Undertaker supposed to keep that streak going before it's like, you know, it had to, had to come to an end? But I'm well, I, agree I didn't believe it. Either. I didn't believe it either. I was my mouth was sitting on the floor the whole time. 
but you make great points though. You know, the the streak did need to eventually, you know, be gone. It needed to go to somebody. But my problem was more I felt it should have gone to somebody like a Dean Ambrose or, you know, a Bray Wyatt or somebody who could use the rub and basically be made a main eventer from winning that match. That's pretty much where I was coming from. Right, right. Now that, that that's a really good point. I mean, that's how you grow stars. Um that's how Randy Orton became huge was he, he was taking out legends and stuff. But um yeah, maybe Bray Wyatt, but I, I couldn't see anybody else besides, like, I just couldn't see anyone else taking that streak. Plus, he cheated. You know, but, eh. Well, you, you know, like you said, though, you know, you've got the possibility now of Sting versus The Undertaker, which I would never turn that match, you know, away. Unfortunately, we're getting it, I think, a little too late, because even if it was 10 years ago when both of them were still past their primes but could still put on a good match, you know, I think that would have been great, but now... I don't know. I don't even think Taker, from what I've seen in pictures of him on Facebook and in social media, he looks like he's in his 60s now and he's not even 50. Well, I mean, the, the really cool thing about wrestling is, is I mean, you, you've seen some of these old-timers put in these last matches, and they've just been above and beyond great. You know, it's not so much that, you know, how healthy they are. It's, it's how, how experienced they are at telling that in-ring story. Like even though even though uh, the Undertaker Shawn Michaels match, I mean they're both like fairly old, been doing wrestling for a fairly long time. But that was a flawless match that like kind of highlighted the attributes of each wrestler, like to 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 the the A plus level. So I don't I don't think it's so much that they're 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 past prime where it wouldn't be a good match. I think that. Just like the storytelling and the pacing of the match would make it something that that you'd never forget. Although I could be wrong, an Undertaker could break a hip as soon as he walked in the ring. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> he that's could the very big well fear. do the, the, eye, the eye roll back where he does the thing with his eyes and the eyes stay backwards and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrifying, but I still think it would be entertaining. <laughs> Like, you just stick the tongue out, and the tongue just stays out forever, and you're like, what's wrong with him? Oh, shit, he had a stroke in the ring. His tongue is out. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why he's been doing it all these years. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't see the warning signs. Well, you know, we're talking about <laughs> entertaining <laughs> stuff, obviously. Uh, you know, we're talking about entertaining stuff, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to move on and talk a little bit about uh, Broken Butterfly and Widow's Web, if you, if you guys would uh, indulge me. Uh, I, I really want to know more because, to be completely honest with you, my, my knowledge on, uh, you know, both uh, the, the company and the comic are a little limited. And, you know, just like everybody else, I want to know more. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, Broken Butterfly is basically uh, my new brand for the new creator-owned books I'll be putting out from now on. It's It's, it's kind of... Uh, the origin for it came from a friend of mine uh, who passed away, who I used to look across the bar at her, and I always used to make a joke that she looked like a broken butterfly. She was beautiful, but she looked very sad all the time. And uh, it kind of became this almost testament to just because something's broken doesn't mean it can't be beautiful and come back and become something brand new. So with that kind of mindset in mind, me and Autumn actually started this uh, with Widow's Web, which is our, our first series that's coming out under the brand that follows a bartender with a deep, dark secret whose life is turned upside down when uh, a love interest named Peter walks into her door. 
the catch is it's kind of that boy meets girl. I mean, boy meets girl story, but in this case, the girl might actually eat the boy. Wow. So now, when when I, I noticed that you guys have like a lot of different um, covers, kind of like one of those. Um, I mean, I don't want to you know bring up Xenoscope, but obviously Xenoscope has like five, six covers sometimes for their books. Um, I, I noticed some of the names you guys had on there, and I was really impressed because a lot of them are my favorite artists. Oh, thank you. Is there? Yeah, those guys. Those, those are those are those are a lot of different artists I've worked with over the years. Uh, when, when I first when I first came over to Xenoscope, I had been running the convention gauntlet for about ten years at that time. So I had met a lot of artists and hung out and made a lot of connections. So when they came to time to free reign over there, I brought a lot of them into the company. And, I mean, they, everybody from DeBasso to Elias, uh, Ebass, they, they've just been doing wonderful work from, like, day one. So, you know, the first thing I wanted to do when, when I started the adventure was definitely bring across the people who all, all were not only my friends, but who I thought were, you know, the best of the best. So it's been a lot of fun working with, with my friends and, you know, working with Autumn. Autumn's a good friend of mine, too, from years back. And being able to, like, so, put together this whole thing that is, uh, you know, a lot of friends who are passionate about the same thing and creating the best comics we can. So is there anybody that you uh, haven't uh, worked with yet or somebody that you have worked with that you're really excited about getting on Widow's Web? Uh, no. No, there's uh, the, the only – one of the only creators I haven't worked with is uh, Jim Lee and Steve McNiven. Those are my last two creators that are on my bucket list that I, I uh, unless something amazing happens, I don't, I don't see it happening, but you never know. Oh, absolutely not. You know, that, that, it, it's always, uh, you know, like, yeah, exactly. It's always uh, a possibility. And somebody like Jim Lee, I, I think that like all of us kind of uh, look up to people like him. And I know other people would say other names, but I, I can totally understand the Jim Lee love because I was a kid in the nineties. I was a teenager. And, you know, I was one of those ones that, you know, I worked in comic shops and when those new books came out, if it had a Jim Lee cover on it, I bought it just because it was Jim Lee. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Same here. And I mean, Jim's one of those rare breeds where he always gets better. Like, every every time he puts out something new, no matter how many years he's been doing this, he always gets better. Even though it takes forever and a day, you know, the end product is always, it just blows your mind. I, I remember opening that, what, what was it, a, like, eight-page page spread of the Batcave? And, and you're just sitting there dumbfounded by how amazing this thing is, how much passion he puts into every single page. It's it just it's it's mind boggling. Well, and you know, it's also a testament to you know how how great he is and how much he's looked up to. Because if you look at a lot of the you know independent artists and even some of the ones that are working for the big companies now, a lot of them could be classified as clones of him, just like other people could be classified as clones of King Kirby. True, definitely. Definitely. I think I think what it is is just a, a lot of people are influenced by what they love. I mean, you, you see Quentin Tarantino, he puts out, he's basically putting out movies that he watched when he was a kid, old kung fu movies, old westerns. Same with George, George Lucas putting out his old, the old action-adventure movies from the, the 50s and 30s and whatnot. So, I mean, we all, even myself, I've, I've been telling the same Tales from the Crypt story from day one. 
because I grew up reading Vault of Horror, and Johnny Craig was my favorite artist in the world. So, you know, all those EC horror comics kind of kind of stuck with me to today, and I'm always telling, in some way or form, the same kind of horror story, just in a different new way that kind of relates to modern times more so than it did back then. I mean, we're nothing if we're not we're influ- we're nothing if we're not our influences. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I have major influences, uh, you know, on me, such as, like, Ron Mars. Because when I first started reading comic books, the first comic book I ever read was, you know, Green Lantern number 50. And that was when they brought in the new Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner. And it was something I identified with immediately. So it was something that kind of brought me into the industry, but then his stories kind of made me stay. So it's somebody who, you know, when I met him for the first time, I, I was just dumbfounded and I acted like a little girl and I was like, oh, I love you so much. And, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, I know, but rolling his eyes. I'm sure you guys both know that from, you know, Comic-Con experiences. <laughs> yeah, one of these days I want, I want to talk to Ron and ask him, he was the one who put the girl in the refrigerator, right? Yes. Yes. I want to ask him where he got that idea from because, like, me and Autumn have come up with some twisted, like, kill scenes and whatnot in in, in in Widow's Web, but to throw a girl in a fridge back in those days, like, oh, I'm like, where, where did he come up with that idea? Like, that's that's pretty, uh, did he have a bad relationship at the time? <laughs> or, you know, like, where did that, that influence come from? Well, when I asked him, because I was shooting a documentary at the time about Comic-Cons, and I got him on film talking about a lot of things, and if I remember correctly, he said that was just an idea that came to him, but he was really surprised that DC didn't axe it before he even saw the final version. So, Yeah, that is surprising, because you, you would think they would be very trepidatious about that kind of thing. Well, I don't know if you remember, but there was also that big stink about, uh, you know, people were pissed off that Hal Jordan was gone and that, you know, they made him evil and all that. And that 17-year-old kid in Seattle started that Heat Hell's Emerald attack team, and they just blasted DC and blasted, you know, Ron Mars all over the place. Yeah, isn't Hal, isn't Hal Jordan a good guy again? Yeah, they brought him back in, I think, 2005. He's been good ever since. But, you know, that's the thing with comic books. Is some people just don't get it, and they don't, you know, they, they forget that it's fantasy, and they sometimes think that, oh, if something is the way it used to be, there's no reason to change it. Well, if there's a story that, you know, makes sense for things to change, why not? You know, to not change things just for the sake of tradition is kind of stupid, in my opinion. There's no yeah, story no, I, if there's no progress. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, you, you look at uh I think one of the best things Marvel has recently done is you look at what they've done with Magneto and Cyclops, where where Cyclops has basically become the new Magneto, like the new Malcolm X of the modern age, and that's just brilliant character work. I mean, you know, you take this character who was all about the dream, and now he's about the dream by any means necessary. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was very cool and very brave on the part of the writers over at Marvel. Well, you know, speaking of, of writing, now you guys are writing Widow's Web together, correct? Yes. So what is that like yeah. when you guys are writing a story together? I mean, does, like, one of you, because I, I know certain people, certain groups and teams do di- different things, but is it, like, with you guys, is it one of those things where you, like, one of you will write a page and then the other one will look it over, or do you guys both write, write different things and then combine them? Like, how does that process work, if you don't mind sharing? Raven, you oh, got oh, this one? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, I know, this is fun. Wait, I'm, am I allowed to curse on this show? 
Uh, for you, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Okay, awesome. So we've, we've actually had this conversation multiple times in the last year we've been working on this book, and we've, we've come to realize what our writing process is. We'll get together. We'll, we'll set a meeting. She lives in Tucson, so she has to actually drive two hours out for us to have our writing meetings and, and, and break down the book, work on the scripts. Um, yeah. And what tends to be our writing process that we've discovered is whenever we actually sit down and we put our heads together and we decide to write, we get nothing done at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever we sit and just fuck around and talk shit and make fun of, like, like, we're sitting there and we're watching a show on TV, and all of a sudden, like, bottom out of nowhere, we'll say something that that <laughs> thinks has to do with the show. And it totally has nothing to do with the show. And I'll be like, no, this is not what it has to do with the show. And then I'll go to the bathroom and, <laughs> and I'll come up to the story and come back based off of her idea for what she just said. And it's basically like whenever we fuck around, we come up with the best, most organic material of these characters just being in a room talking to each other and going mm-hmm. back and forth and the story flows and turns into this magical thing. But if we actually try to sit down and work, nothing gets done at all. Nope. It's all about the conversation that comes out of it. Like, I wouldn't want to write something that didn't sound like a genuine conversation somebody would have. And it totally flows with it because, like he said, we'll be sitting there watching a TV show and I'll just be like, word vomit. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, holy shit. And then we look at each other, and there's this moment where we both understand, and then it goes. Yeah, it's it's a very cool working relationship. Uh, and and like, like like Autumn was just saying, one, one of the things I think people appreciate most about our stories, or, you know, Widow's Web in particular, as it's now starting to come out, is all of the conversations feel real. They're literally the conversation that you've had with your best friend, that you've had with that bitch that you hate who's trying to take your boyfriend or or, or trying to, like, undermine you or, or the boss that you just want to stab in the face but you can't because you're not allowed to stab with a sport. in the face. With, with, with the spork, yes, because a spork would hurt more. No, a spoon. Mm. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like it's... Boom would be like Egyptian status, so we'd need to like mummify them. Oh God! Okay, I gotta stop because never mind. Continue. See, and that's <laughs> that's how that's how the stories become. Is like she'll sit there and we'll we'll go. We'll both of us have very short attention spans, so we'll start <laughs> spinning off on tangents, and those tangents will actually work their way into a story. Like, Somehow. like in, we we have this one scene in the story where. The, the the girl is is the girl's boss has just talked down to her in front of all of her friends, and as the mm-hmm. boss is walking away, she's like, "I hate that bitch. That bitch is on my list. I bet you didn't know I had a list. She is on that list." <laughs> and that was literally a conversation that Autumn had with me, and and it was based off of this like candy that came out of nowhere, and we're like, "That's going in the story." Yeah. It sounded real. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Well, no, and that's and that's the beauty of it, though, is because without without having some realism, like every lie ever told started with a little bit of truth. And a story well, would you guys the same say way. then that? Well, would you guys say then that it's easier for you to write dialogue or to actually write like the meat of the story? Which would you say comes easier to you? Well, well, I mean, the the 
I think the dialogue is definitely the funnest part. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's like when the dialogue clicks, it just clicks so easy. The the problem with writing the beats of the story that 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 I've seen, specifically with this one, is because the story isn't for a company and it's not deadline oriented. You know, you whenever you're doing a story, you always want it to be the best it can possibly be. But with this, it's like this has to be the best it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. So we'll sit there and we'll we'll break down the whole story, and then kind of sit on it for a couple weeks. And as time is passing, we're picking away at parts of the story that's just not working. It's like that night, the breakdown worked so well, all the beats worked flawlessly, and then you mm-hmm. look back at. You're just like, this is a giant pile of shit. We don't have to start <laughs> over, but, but let's clean this up and let's fix this. This doesn't make sense. And then slowly and surely, eventually, the good stuff rises to the surface. And then it's it's just trying to get on and down here so we can talk shit to each other for a couple hours and the story writes itself. Well, I think you guys would agree the fact that, you know, robotic dialogue can kill a story. And it's important just like the beats of a story. Um, I'm fortunate that, you know, I've actually had some work done for me uh, by Ian Snyder, who I love, 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 love his work. And, man, that boy, I don't know what his problem is, but I've never seen an artist who's so good, who's so down on his own work. <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God, he the irony wonderful. of that. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's a unique creature. I mean, and that's, I, I love the fact that he's so humble that, that he doesn't see what a diamond he is. But everybody else can obviously see how capable and talented and how amazing his art really is. And it's not this cookie-cutter, canonized face art. It's every character has their own individual look. Every character feels real. Mm -hmm. Even even though there's characters with giant boobs in our story, because I believe people are born with giant boobs, and they should be also showcased in comics. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, but his his women his women are shapely and gorgeous and have curves and and the very and, yeah and the, the very what, first like, time I saw it, like I had never like. seen Ian's work before until Raven introduced me to Ian, and then like I saw some of his work and I was like, oh, this is really good, I really like it. And then he drew for Widow, and I was like, oh my god, holy shit, they look like women. They all look like sticks. And I got excited. And Ian's just like, um, um, and didn't really know what to say. And I got to say, it's my favorite moment ever of meeting Ian. Yeah, Ian, Ian does the real quiet thing. It's 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 very it's very uh, endearing. Like, it's adorable. It's, it's, like fans will walk up to him and be like, "You're my favorite artist. Oh, I love all your work." And he's just kind of like, "Okay." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's very. He's very. He's very quiet and very, very, like I said, very endearing. I love that guy. Yeah, I don't know uh, how your collaborative process has been with him, but uh, getting him to do uh, the two covers that he did for me, it was a hilarious process because every time he would send me, like, a thumbnail or some kind of an image, and he'd be like, is this okay with you? And he'd be like, oh, my God, it's one of the best fucking things I've ever seen in my life. He'd be like, really? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, really? Yeah, that's that's it. That, that's that's definitely in. Well, and 
you know, he, he's one of those guys who you can you can look at his work and just it draws you into the story. And it was one thing that I, I told him from the first time I talked to him was that, you know, I'm a huge fan of everything I've seen him, of him do, you know, from, you know, what he did with Big Dog and, you know, all the other stuff. And I, it's just it's a style that I feel like isn't really done a lot today because the lines are very crisp. They're very clean. They're very, very tight. And for some reason, I just don't see a lot of styles to me that match his style, which makes it that much more unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He, he does have a style that's all his own. One one of the one of the really cool things that that I get the benefit of working with him this time around is I I actually had given him I, I found this out much later, uh, but I had actually given him his first gig in comics, which was back on Tales of Wonderland, a uh, long time ago. I had met him at, at Tucson, and he was his art was just incredible, and I I had given him a a gig right then and there. But being able to work with him back then and him being able to grow between now and then and now being able to write toward his strengths, which when I was at Zenoscope, most of the time when an artist was put on a book, if it wasn't one of the early Wonderland series, I had no idea who was drawing the story. So I never had time to sit there and and kind of dissect their work and and talk to them and see what what they liked to draw, what they didn't like to draw ask them to draw like a million ninjas in a room all running at the same place at the same time. <laughs> you know, um, but but with Ian, like, I, I know what he's capable of, and I know exactly, like, what to play toward. And especially in this series, if you look at, like, the facial expressions that the characters have, they, they really do feel like real people. It's, it's like... Uh, uh, who, who's the guy who used to work with Garth Ennis all the time on Punisher, did Preacher? Steve Dillon? Uh, Steve Dillon, yes, yeah, Steve Dillon. That guy, him and uh, Mark Bagley can draw emotion like nobody else on a character's face. You know, that's, that's where I would put I would put Ian definitely up in. Like, he really knows how to capture emotion very well. Well, you know, that's, it's funny that you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Steve Dillon because, you know, that's another artist, again, you know, just like Ian, he's got such a unique style. And like you said, you know, the, the, the emotions on the face, you know, that's something that, like with a movie, sometimes you'll be watching a movie and you'll notice that you're making the same face that the person on the screen is making because you're feeling what they're feeling. And that, and that to me, just makes it that much better. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Anything, anything that can make you relate to a character will pull you into a story that much more. I mean, I, I personally think that's why Scarlett Johansson will be the, the best Ghost in the Shell character in the world. That's, see, but you're assuming that she's doing, uh, oh, that was, that was uh, a I think joke. Lakota? That, that was actually a joke for Ali Garza, because as soon as he found out she was going to be in the movie, he's been talking mad shit, like nonsense. Oh. <laughs> so I, oh. I, have to give, I have to give him shit every chance I get, because I... Scarlett Johan, like Kevin Smith said with Ben Affleck, Scarlett Johansson can play the shark in Jaws. I would still be the first one in line to see it. <laughs> oh man, this is why you're my favorite. <laughs> What's your comeback for that? Like, what do you say to that? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I just love Scarlett Johansson. She's my, she's my, she's my favorite. I loved her in Lucy. I loved her in that horrible. What whatever movie in under the skin? Uh, I mean, she just she where she was like a changeling or something. Like I don't even know what that movie was about. She she was actually <laughs> a, a black woman. 
She's a black woman from another from another planet who um who got guys naked so they could step into the black and also become black in in clear black. Really glad I missed that one. <laughs> and, and then and she she somehow ate them without eating them. So very it was a very crazy artsy film and she was awesome in it even though it was a horrible movie. So she slendermans them. <laughs> she she slend okay yeah, there you go there you go slender I have no idea what that is I know what that is but I have no idea what it is. <laughs> We're gonna sit down and have a talk. <laughs> this interview just took a weird turn but I like it. <laughs> See, but that's what it's like to sit there and have us just bullshit each other while we're coming up with a story. You just got a taste of what it's like. We have no idea where the conversation's going, but it winds up somewhere. See, we went from Royal Rumble to to, to comic books to favorite comic book artists to Scarlett Johansson as a shark in Jaws. I mean, (laughs) that's the natural progression. (laughs) I guess so. Well, where uh, where exactly uh, are you guys taking uh, Broken Butterfly and uh, Widow's Web? Like, what's the what's the future? Do you guys have plans already in place for like for upcoming issues and uh, like our Kickstarters or anything like that? Well, I'll let Autumn handle this one. Oh, okay. All right. Um. Well, I guess for future plans, it's it's kind of one of those things. Like, like, am I allowed to say how many issues, Raven? Would you say? Yep. Yep. All right, so we've got ish, uh, six issues planned. The Kickstarter is actually going to launch officially February 27th. Um, we're going to have lots of really uh, really kick-ass rewards. Um, there's pretty much something for everybody on the rewards list. And the plus side is you guys get a really entertaining video to go along with it. So it totally works in your favor just as much as ours. Um, and we just want to make sure that, that everybody remembers that without you guys, we couldn't do this. We couldn't make this successful because we just want to bring you the story that you guys deserve. Um, so, and, and, part, and part of the reason we did so many covers, almost in that Xenoscope fashion, was specifically so that there is a cover for everyone. It's like if you, you know, there's there's some covers that are, of course, more rare and more expensive. But if you can't afford that, there's definitely, like, lower-cost covers that are more affordable. And, like, there are fans of Mike DeBalfo. I love Mike DeBalfo. He's one of my favorite artists in the world. We have a Mike DeBasso cover. There's there's Elias Chesuit, uh, who's this, this incredible artist. You know, there's covers by him. Same with Nehi Rafino and uh, Mike Chrome, among many, many others. So we wanted to, like, make sure that it was definitely something that, regardless of what you're into, whether you're into literally a pair of giant boobs and nothing else on the cover, we have that cover for you. <laughs> or, or if you want an iconic Superman pose that Neon does so well, that's the number one. That's the A cover for the series. So uh, you know, we just try to mix it up. We try to make sure that that everybody has something they can get into. Well, I'm looking forward to that uh, specifically because I'm a fan of just about every artist that you just said, including you know you guys yourselves. Uh, so it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Are you guys uh, planning like a like any kind of a Facebook page or anything for uh, Widow's Web or for Broken Butterfly? Uh, eventually, eventually. Right, right now we're 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 mainly focused on on getting the Kickstarter up and running. We we spent about six seven months planning and and getting everything prepped and and you know not only that we have almost three issues done already of, of Widow's Web, which is is kind of unheard of in the business. Unless you're 
like one of the big guns at, at, at Marvel or DC because I wanted to make sure when this book came out that there were no delays, that, that fans would get their book monthly on a regular basis, and at the same time not compromise the quality of the art and the story itself. Well, you know, that that's perfect to me because that's exactly something that I, I want out of any book that I buy is I want to be able to get it, if it's supposed to be monthly, that it's monthly. And that's one thing that I think a lot of, you know, companies, especially the big ones, when they say, oh, this book will come out, and a lot of times say, yeah, it'll be out, and it's going to be like the end of a story, but then they don't release that book, and instead they release the beginning to another story, and it's like, well, now you're out of continuity, and now people know the ending before the ending is even there. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember they did that with Daredevil quite a while back when, when Kevin Smith was supposed to be writing that and and they basically just gave up on it because he was taking too long. And, and, and to yeah, he did what issues? Did he do what issues uh, one and two and hasn't done them since? <laughs> uh, I think he did the first six issues and then he did like a mini series that he never finished, a bullseye mini series. But and you know I kind of I kind of understand the mindset of the whole. You want the story to be perfect, and eventually, when the trade is out, that's what everybody will remember forever. But at the same time, you know, you can you can strive for more. I mean, that's that's the point of art is to try to be better and to try to do better and to continuously not just raise the bar, but take the bar off the whole rack and run up the mountain with it. You know, like if we're not trying to do that, if if if, if when the Pope approached Michelangelo and said, "Draw me a painting on the ceiling," and he just drew a picture of God's dick, then that wouldn't be that impressive. But he finished everything around that, and now we have the Sistine Chapel. But he started with that penis. <laughs> I think you just wanted to say penis. That was the only reason you you went that way. <laughs> that, was a, <laughs> that was literally the whole point of that that whole conversation. <laughs> Um, see, and now you get an idea of what our creative process is like is we literally sit there and these are the conversations we have. Oh, stories led by a penis, you, you know, you can't go wrong, right? No. That's no, a story. Well, I definitely want to thank you both for uh, for for joining us uh, today. And, uh, you know, we're almost out of time here, but before we go, uh, can you guys just let us know where everybody can find you on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and all that? Uh, you can find me at Facebook, uh, Raven Gregory or something. I'm not the girl Raven Gregory. I'm the guy Raven Gregory. <laughs> can you have to specify? There you go. Um, and you can also find us at www.theravengregory.com, and you can find Autumn at Autumn Ivy. Yeah, it's it's actually under uh, facebook.com backslash Autumn Ivy Cosplay. Excellent. Uh, so, th- with the cosplay, are you going to be doing a lot more? Because uh, I- I've noticed you have like a whole bunch of different uh, characters that you've portrayed. Are there any that you're going to be doing uh, coming up? Um, you know what? I- I'm actually going to be. I think the next one I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be pulling Midna from Twilight Princess. Nice. So that's that's my next one on the on the roster. Unfortunately, though, between you know between work and writing and taking care of all the animals, I've got it's been kind of going with us, but we're getting there. Well, again, I want to thank you both for joining us. And once again, anybody that wants to, uh, you know, check their stuff out, they've got Kickstarter coming. You said February twenty third, twenty seventh. 
27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime you guys want to come back and just give us updates or let us know, uh, you know, what you've got planned, definitely hit us up and let us know, and we'll make sure to let everybody know for you. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And yeah, thank you again so much, on. guys. Uh, no, it was it, it is an honor. It's such an honor to have you both. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. I'm I'm so happy that you joined us tonight, and uh, hopefully we can get you guys back on soon when you're not too busy. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, you both have a great night. Thank you so much. Sorry. You too. too, Thanks. Sarah, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, man, that is so cool. I have been for – I can't even remember how long I've been a fan of Ravens because I've been reading his work forever. And, uh, you know, what he was talking about when he first worked with Ian, uh, you know, because I I talked with Ian a lot, and, you know, I I didn't even really know – uh, back then, all those Venusco books that I was reading and that I was enjoying the art of, I didn't realize how cool these people were going to be when I finally got to talk to them. And that just makes me feel really good because it just means that I haven't been following a bunch of jerks. You know, I've been following really cool people that are a joy to talk to. And they make the process not just of being on the show, but the process of just being a fan that much better. Because I know that if I go to a con and I meet Raven, Raven and I uh, and I meet Autumn, I'm going to be completely happy because they're going to be cool to me. They're going to go out of their way to make me feel happy. And it's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. I was just sitting back listening. I'm like, man, this dude's a, this dude's a trip. <laughs> yeah, <they were laughs> Anytime Raven funny. wants to drop the F-bomb on this show, he's welcome to. <laughs> hey. Not uh my ears are not innocent, so. Well, I, I do want to apologize. I For anybody that obviously you guys don't know because you weren't on before the show was actually on with the rest of us, but uh, I accidentally hung up on Sarah earlier. I got really, really confused. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Uh, hopefully like, that will never happen again. <laughs> oh, you didn't hang up. You muted me. I could hear everything you were saying. I'm going, hello, hello, because I thought I, nothing. I thought. I thought I had two Sarahs on. It freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> thought I was in a horror right, movie I'll for a second. You. <laughs> I'll forgive you. Well, it, I'm pretty. I'm pretty bummed out about about Leilani not being able to be on. But yeah, you know, unfortunately, you know, she does have pneumonia. Uh, we don't know what her status is, but we're you know pulling for her. We, we're hoping for the best. Uh, I apologize for anybody that tuned in that was, you know, wanting to listen to Lilani Kai. Uh, she's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. I've loved her since I was a kid, so I'm devastated by it too. But we will get her back, and uh, it, it'll be a great episode when we do. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't today, but, you know, her health is way more important than being on a podcast. Oh, yes, totally. So, and then pneumonia's yeah, been going yeah. around like mad. Yeah, and something like pneumonia you don't mess around with. I've been through it. No, I've known people that have actually, you know, died from it because it, it can get so mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, um, nope, but really her well wishes just, a speedy recovery. Yeah, and, and you know, really quickly, I, I want to st- uh, thank Steve Stasiak for uh, hooking us up with the uh, possibility of even having her on the show. I know that, you know, he'll help us make sure it happens uh, in the future. Could be a couple weeks from now, could be a couple months, but we will definitely make it happen. So uh, we do want to thank Steve for setting that up. I, again, want to thank Raven and thank Autumn for being on the show. Raven Gregory, uh, check him out on Facebook. Uh, definitely, if you guys get a chance, uh, check out uh, Autumn Flint. Ivy is on Facebook. She's got a Facebook page for the cosplay. She like does amazing work with the cosplay. It, it's awesome that she's a writer and a cosplay person because you know she's a double hitter. You know, triple threat, double threat, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she's right. multi talented. You know, 
So uh, it was great to have them on, and I want to thank them again. Definitely in the future, if they want to come back, that would be great. Uh, so we're going to cut out a little bit early uh, since we don't have a lot. Uh, is there anything you wanted to say before we head out? Um, I wanted to uh, let everybody know about this new reality show called Wrestling with Death. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. It's going to be on WGN America. The second episode will be Tuesday at 7, and yours truly is going to be on that episode. So I'm gonna be on TV. <laughs> yes. I cannot <laughs> wait for that. You know, this is the first I'm actually hearing of it. I, I knew about this show because I've seen it in promos and I it kinda creeped me out at first, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, Wow, this is gonna be really interesting to watch. And now that I know you're gonna be on it, oh man, I'm gonna plaster that yeah. all over social media. Yeah, it is it is such a bummer though because I don't have cable, so I've got people recording it for me on their D V Rs. I might have to crash <laughs> somebody's house just to watch it, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's about their their undertakers during the day, and then they have a wrestling promotion that they run on the weekends. And they were super cool people. I had a whole lot of fun, and I hope it I hope it turned out to be a good episode because we had a lot of fun doing it. It, it sounds like a lot of fun, and from what I've seen, it looks like it, it's going to be a, a great show. I'm looking forward to it. I know for a fact that uh, my wife is looking forward to it because when I showed her the thing, she went, "Ooh, that's creepy!" And I said, "I know. Now we want to watch, right?" She goes, "Yeah." Yeah. Yeah, it is creepy. And Derek Kang is on it. Um, he's a regular character, and he's just—he's a trip. He is something else. He's gonna keep well, him going. Well, as if I wasn't—who is calling me? As if I wasn't already uh, super excited about it. Now I'm like fifty levels more excited. So. Well, see, um, there you but go. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'll be tuned in. I, I know that uh, hopefully we'll have other people tuned in. Like I said, I'm going to plaster it all over uh, social media. Uh, for everybody uh, that tuned in, thank you for listening. Next week we will have with us uh, what I think is going to be one of our best shows. Uh, we're going to have Dirk Manning, who is one of my biggest inspirations for comic books. And what wrestler are we going to have with us, Sarah? I don't remember. <laughs> I had it all written down on a piece of paper and my youngest took my notebook and it's gone now. So if if I'm not mistaken it's Kathy, right? Kathy Owens? I believe it is Kathy Owens. I'm Okay. I'm almost I'm almost hundred percent positive. Well it's see if it's not Kathy then it's Jennifer Justice. I'm gonna have to find that piece of paper. And then check back through my text messages and find out which because it's it's I feel like such a dork. <laughs> Oh it's, my it's Kathy Owens. What did you do with mommy's it's, list? I need that. <laughs> it, it's definitely Kathy Owens because we've got uh, Jennifer Justice scheduled for the 29th. So it will be Dirk Manning and Kathy Owens next week on the CAC show. All right. So we will take our leave, Sarah. Thank you again for joining and uh, helping oh. me uh, co-host. All right. Always a Always pleasure. Always fun. Yep, and I'm sorry you're not feeling good. Hopefully you'll be feeling better. This sickness, man, it's going around. Everybody's getting sick, and it, it, it makes me mad because really cool people that I talk to on a normal basis are just like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but, I mean, I've been coughing for like three days straight. Today's been the best of the week. We sound a little congested. I don't know how you are, but when I'm congested, I cannot sleep. Whether it's a runny nose or a stuffed nose, it's just like torture to me. That's why they make NyQuil. <laughs> that is why they make NyQuil. <laughs> it is. Yeah. All right, everybody. <laughs> on that note, go get some NyQuil, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.